Welcome to Coach Your Brains Out, the show that explores learning from the top minds in volleyball and beyond. With your hosts, John Mayer, Billy Allen, Andrew Fuller, and Nils Nielsen. Welcome to Coach Your Brains Out, a special episode. We actually had one of our hosts, the famous John Mayer, say that he's retiring, uh, that this was his last season of playing professional beach volleyball, and now he's going to focus on coaching. Uh, so we thought you know, this was a good moment for us to pick his brain and learn from him and his lengthy career. Uh, John, first of all, what are the chances that we'll see you play in an AVP event in the 2019 season? I would say less than 5%. Oh, it's a hundred percent. You're gonna play in Manhattan. <laughs> what if Andrew Fuller calls you up for Manhattan? Two lefties. That, that, that would probably lower the chances. Listeners can read right through that, Johnny. I was gonna say less than one percent. I think it's very unlikely, but um, I didn't want to be on the record and somehow something crazy happened. John's trying to pearl a uh, Matt Forbringer and come out of retirement to win the Manhattan. <laughs> With Trevor be, Crab I'll, pulls I'll him back that. in. Sure, I'd be happy to do that. <laughs> so John loves talking about himself, so we'll, uh, this will sure. be a long episode. Um, to lengthen the episode even more, uh, we have a couple audio clips, too, from some people that were nice enough to send us voicemails. I actually asked a lot of people and got maybe a quarter of them. So that's <laughs> what, what John means people, to them. <laughs> people really care about me. <laughs> All right. I'll, I'll play one now and then we'll start grilling John a little more. John Mayer is my quintessential beach volleyball player in that he always makes the game easier on his partner. Cerebral, incredible ball skills, and a guy that I truly believe, if he were 6'5", would have 150 opens. Love, Johnny the Mayor. Do you guys know who that is, John? Oh, yeah. MD. Mike Dodd. Yeah, that, uh, gosh, what a guy. He, um, you know, obviously one of the best players to ever play. A silver medalist, and I don't know how many tournaments he won. But I always, uh, and one of our best podcast guests we've ever had, um, yeah, for whatever reason, <laughs> I don't know why, but uh, he always was really, really supportive of me. And um, even uh, when he stopped traveling as a coach and stopped being around tournaments as often, he would he would check in with me and, and text me after uh, good tournaments. And uh, yeah, just really cool to have that support. And I, I'd love to be that sort of person for someone. Uh, and I'm sure he is that person for a lot of people. Uh, he's yeah, just such a special guy. That's cool to hear him say that. Nice. Well, John, I guess to start, what led to the decision um, to make it your last year? And uh, like, how did you know it was time? Well, when the season ended, I, I looked through my results and I saw I was 0-3 against Billy Allen. It's a low point. And <laughs> in my whole career, I, I think I'd had a winning record. I knew I couldn't go on. I mean, that had to be... <laughs> uh, you talk about writing on the wall. No, so... Uh, you know, when I, I took over the LMU job three years ago, um, it uh, it changed things for sure, and it was a much bigger job. I had been coaching a junior college job, which that was challenging, but um, taking over LMU, and then my first year, Tom Black was there, and he did a lot, and then uh, second year, he left, and the sport just keeps getting bigger. The NCAA sport is growing. The recruiting uh, job, and just every part of the job is getting bigger. And I think that's a part of it. And then the bigger part is just I felt like more my passion was going. I uh, just my free time. I was thinking more about coaching and how I could be better for for my team. And uh, I also just felt a little bit like I was being pulled too hard in two directions, and I was making sacrifices and felt like I wasn't there enough or good enough for the the girls I was coaching, and then at the same time for the partner I was playing with. So, um, yeah, just a combination of things made me really start to think about it the last couple of years. And, um, yeah, I just felt like I kind of knew going into this year, I just thought this will, this will be it and uh, was happy happy with that. Yeah, it's always been really impressive to me that you had, like, two full-time jobs. Um, it wasn't just like a lot of us coach club or do a little coaching on the side, but you had, you know, college programs, uh, indoor 
and then uh, on the beach. That's it's crazy. You were able to balance both of them and be as good as you were at both of them. I don't, I don't think it's unique. I think it's the life of a beach volleyball player. I think. I mean, if anybody's had a chance to pick up Good Blood, one of the the greatest fantasy books I've ever read, <laughs> uh, written by Billy Allen. <laughs> uh, I'm not done with it yet, but it's it's amazing. Uh, and to be able to do that while you're competing, and you know, Billy does ten different things. And you know, if you go through almost every player, except for maybe Ryan Doherty, uh, you go through every player. No, I'm just kidding. Ryan even is uh, he's getting uh, his his CPA. But yeah, I don't know. Just in general, I think beach players they have second jobs, third jobs, and you do you do you have jobs so that you can follow your dream and and chase your uh, or be able to live out your passion. So that's just part of the deal. Oh, yeah, John, I want you to tell me about uh, 2018 John Mayer and 2008 John Mayer. And then I also want you to tell me who would win. <laughs> I'd, I feel like I'd, I'd like to hear what Billy thinks. Uh, it's hard to remember. Uh, and probably my memory is wrong. But I actually recently, for whatever reason, I stumbled across a 2012 final. Uh, I played Sean Scott and John Hyden in uh, Cuervo final. And my memory of it was that I was pretty good. And then I watched it and I was like, wow, I'm really bad. Uh, <laughs> but I think, I think what the difference would be in 2008 and even in 2012, four years later, it, you'd see some more like highlight type of plays. Not that I had, at least for me, I wasn't much of a highlight player, but I would try to like bounce a ball here and there or go for a bigger serve than I can hit. Uh, maybe make a, a lucky dig here or there that was kind of flashier. 2018, I think you'd see just someone who was more consistent, uh, maybe made smarter swings, and uh, yeah, it was just a, just a steadier player all around. Hopefully, more polished and ment- mentally uh, more consistent as well. I don't know, Billy. What do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I don't know who would. I always wonder that too because we kind of place ourselves. Uh, like I, I don't know. I picture you as being pretty consistent level wise. It's just kind of like oh, like players stop playing, so John moved up in the ranks. But like, I mean, you. I guess even back then, you're doing well in winning tournaments. Um, I would say Springer probably hit more, but other than that, I think your serving is a lot stronger now. At least the jump float. You've always been quick, and I, even this year, I don't think you lost much in speed or anything. So I don't think physically you were trailing off at all, like maybe a, a person on, at the end of their career would. I don't know. Yeah, I think I think Nygaard, I think Nygaard and you were a better team than anybody you've played with. So I think 2008 was probably when you started. That's a big part of it. Yeah, who's the team that you're creating? I think that's as important as any of it. I think uh, 2018 John Mayer knows my weaknesses more than 2008. John Mayer. So. <laughs> I'd rather play the the old you. Yeah, I don't know. I was zero three this year. Yeah, well, I was pretty bad back then, I guess. <laughs> it was before Billy Hansett. Yeah, I'd say. Yeah, Billy's made I think bigger strides than I I have. But we still have another ten years till we do the Billy retirement episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. John, if you were coaching John, what would you see as his biggest strength? Other than being better than you at everything, right? Okay, <laughs> right. Just uh, the, long, the long list there. Right? Confidence. <laughs> confidence. Yeah. Uh, my biggest strength. Uh, gosh. Um. I think near the end, yeah, my my jump float got pretty good. Let Let's speak in third person, though. Okay, I think John's jump float got pretty good. <laughs> and. Uh, I think I was pretty good at running down shots. John was pretty good at running down shots. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree about about John on that. Um, Um, I'd say I got got a good one. I think probably my my best strength was, I think I was a a partner who was able to get the best out of the people I played with. I was uh, supportive and uh, I think, yeah, in general, People, uh, I think, liked playing with me. I hope, but but mainly, I think they felt like they could be themselves and uh, didn't have to worry about what I was thinking about them. They could just kind of play free. So I think I'd like to think that I was a good teammate. 
Yeah, I think we would probably all second that. Thanks, um, Andy. What would what would you say you would you would uh, really want to work on with John Leahy Mayer? <laughs> Be a long list. It's yeah. So hard to, to see let's, yourself. Let's reality. get top top three in the third person. Um, probably would want to work on John's self talk. I think he was pretty critical of himself. Uh, I think it's probably good to be humble, but uh, it would have been better if I could have been more productive and maybe yeah, a little less hard on myself. Um, uh, I guess maybe a volleyball one. I wish I would have developed more range in my offense. I think I was pretty good at uh, being able to hit, but I, I don't think I was a great shooter. I didn't have great hand control. Um, like someone like Billy who could put the ball exactly where he wanted. Um, ah, those two jump out of me. I don't know. Give me another one. What would you do, Andrew? What, how, you're a good coach. What would you tell me to work on? Uh, we've nitpicked or gone back and forth on your your approach a little bit, but um, it's pretty good. I mean, you were consistent with what you did. So that was perfect. Yeah, for sure. John, I'm curious. I, I have a question for you. Um, yeah. listening to you talk about your self-talk, uh, I know for me, I, I always have this perspective of if I, I'm trying to give the players that I coach <clears throat> some of the tools that I developed or, or that I figured out, I'm trying to present those to them so that they can have those tools earlier in their career than, than I, I was lucky to have. Yeah. Um, when you're talking about like your self-talk and how you improved, what are some of the things that come to mind that you want your players to realize or have earlier yeah. than you? Uh, yeah, I just think for a long time it wasn't thoughtful. It was, uh, it was more, uh, yeah, just reactionary and I was hard on myself. I think when I got better at it, uh, we've talked about it on the podcast, I, I was yeah, more thoughtful and clear on what, whatever trigger word or what like one phrase would, would help, uh, kind of get me back to the present moment and get me focused on the task at hand. So I just identify, especially like pre-serve or pre-serve receive, I would have one clear word. It could just be something like just be aggressive or go for it or something a little more technical. So when I started to do that. I think I, I got, I, you know, you still have that voice where you're hard on yourself, but then you could notice that and you could uh, then, you know, talk to yourself in a more productive voice and say something that's more helpful. So, yeah, it's a hard skill to develop. And I definitely, when I was playing my best, I was, I was really relentless with it. Like it was just, you know, I, I knew what I was going to, I knew what my routine was. I knew what I was going to say to myself before each, yeah, each serve, each service you. When you work with uh, one of your LMU girls and maybe that comes up, the idea of self-talk, do you think it's uh, an advantage that you have that you can be like, Hey, this is something I struggled with or just kind of how you approach that from a player perspective too? I think for some girls, they, yeah, they like to hear that. I think, I think anytime you can like empathize with someone and, and not just go like, oh, you're you're wrong, and you're you're weird for doing that, or you know, why are you doing that? But if you can come from a place of, yeah, that's pretty normal. A lot of humans are tough on themselves. I played for a long time and uh, was able to be successful at a professional level, and I said things worse than that to myself. So yeah, I, I think that can relate to athletes. But I, I think in general, I guess. I don't think learners want to be, they don't want to hear too much about your, your war stories. They'd rather mm-hmm. be, uh, yeah, be onto them. And like, I, I try not to do that too often. I'd rather just kind of hear them. I hear you. I see you. Uh, that must be frustrating. That must be hard to be going through that. Here's some ideas that might help you. Cool. Well, let's hear uh, from one of John's former teammates. I will never forget when John showed up uh, at Firestone to play for Pepperdine. Um, I'm sure he didn't say much more than, hi, I'm John. And then all of a sudden you got this guy crashing through walls, bleachers, whatever it took to show everyone what it is to give max effort um, in practice, matches, or pick up games at State Beach. Um, He even took out Marv uh, once, uh, diving over the bench trying to extend a rally in a match. Uh, most of us probably drew the line of hustle when it came to uh, taking out our exalted leader, but I don't know. It must be a Pierce Pepperdine thing. Um, 
he played setter, pin, opposite, libero. He played every position at Pepperdine uh, except for middle. And don't get me wrong, he would have been quite effective bringing lefty funk in the middle. Not to mention, he ended up being a great blocker for us as an opposite senior year. It's hard to say all these nice things in a row. Um, One time in a match, I ended up sliding across the floor, and I actually kicked this ball all the way across the court to Mayer. Uh, It was a perfect set, and he got stuffed with one up by a guy that was an inch taller than a duck. Eight years later, Eric Soji uh, was on SportsCenter Top 10 for the same play. So you really blew that one, Johnny. We could have been famous. Um, Jokes aside... John is one of my favorite humans, and I learned a whole lot from him, and I want to thank him for having such a profound impact on my uh, career and life. Thanks, John. Wow, what a guy. Who's that? That's Sean Rooney, gold medalist, uh, my roommate at Pepperdine, and uh, the reason I won a national championship at Pepperdine, and uh, I played in two Olympics, and also another former podcast guest. And I don't remember him kick setting me i think that was actually a joke but uh uh, i learned a lot from him got the most competitive player i've ever played against we uh, i remember when we were at pepperdine we were were roommates and we'd watch the the during our season we watched the avp we're seeing like casey jennings and matt furbringer playing or uh watching um louis and stoklos or cartridges with mike lambert and sitting there talking about maybe we could do that one day and then um, we ended up playing, you know, like half a summer together and qualified together and traveled to a couple events. And I always, I always hoped and dreamed when he was done with his indoor career, we'd, you know, we'd finish on the beach together. And unfortunately, he, you know, he, he uh, was pretty banged up by the end of his career after taking, I don't know, 10 million swings, uh, playing overseas in Russia and Korea and all through Europe and, and for the national team. Uh, but I did actually, when Trevor Crabb dropped me this year, right before Manhattan, I knew um, I knew that I probably had two more tournaments left. I was like, yeah, maybe I could talk Rooney into to coming out and I could actually play <laughs> two more. And so I reached out to him. He's like, yeah, if there's any way I could, I would. But he had just had another surgery. So maybe that would be the one chance I would come back and play. I could do one with Rooney. May Rooney, 2019. <laughs> John, uh, let's say you're working with a uh, young John Mayer like player fresh out of college i guess just what what is some advice what advice do you have for an early beach career uh i would say go back to school and get a real job and, no i would say <laughs> i would say commit to it i think the commit to figure out yeah i guess if you love it and you really want to pursue it uh, figure out how long you want to give and if it's, I'd say at least give yourself a decent window. I, I think I told myself I'd play for five years. And if after five years I wasn't a main draw player or I didn't feel like I was progressing, I'd go get a real job. And I think it's just good to have that commitment because if you just come out for a couple tournaments and play a qualifier and lose and lose money and you don't have a longer game in mind, it's going to be hard to stick with it. So I think that's a, a big step. Um, I think also if, if you could find a, a job that that also aligns with maybe something you do long term so you could start building your resume if for some reason the volleyball thing doesn't work out. So I was lucky to be able to coach while I was playing. Um, I don't know. What would you say, Billy? Yeah, I think the commitment is a huge thing. Um, I mean, you need a bigger sample size, one, to make that judgment. And then, um, yeah, I would say – the California tournaments are, are harder than the other tournaments usually, and a lot of people that just play the local yeah. ones uh, m- might miss out on a a better opportunity for qualifying at maybe another event. And so I think I I dragged my feet a lot at the beginning, and I think if I would have committed earlier, I could have progressed faster. Yeah, yeah, for sure, making that investment. I was lucky. Like Sean was from Chicago, so you know I never thought oh to fly out of California to play. Didn't think I was good enough, but. He, he was really good, and I think he believed in himself probably more than me. So he's like, yeah, let's go to Chicago. Let's go play Cincinnati. And then you kind of, yeah, you qualify in some of those non-California events, and you start to see what's possible. So yeah, I think making that investment in in yourself and committing, is that's a huge step. I also say there's a couple of younger players that I know have been kind of getting in the practice mix with uh, 
with me and you this last year, John, because they were just asked all the time. And I think if you meet maybe a more experienced player or team, you can kind of keep hounding them and just let them know you're available. You know, practices open up, and then you can get to maybe train with uh, some bigger guys and you know, some guys that have coaches and just kind of getting out of your smaller circle, I think is good. Yeah, that's huge. I remember Brad Keenan and I, in my second year on the beach, we we were uh, Steinmetzger and Mike Lambert's just uh, training dummies. We just do, yeah, whatever you guys want, we'll do it. And we were just stoked to be there. We got so much better just getting to see how they trained and just getting reps trying to stop them and trying to figure out how you could side out against them. So, yeah, that's a huge, huge thing to do. And teams, like top teams want that. They want people that will come in and, and maybe uh, be willing to do a practice that's more tailored towards towards them. I had a practice early on where somehow I was playing with John Mesco, and he asked Furby and Sean Scott, who were playing together at the time, uh, and he got us in on a practice with them. We drove all the way down to wherever, and John like hurts himself in like warm ups, and so I, I spent the next two hours just doing hitting lines against these guys. <laughs> um, you never got invited back. Yeah, yeah, never. Uh, no, but it was great. Like something that maybe another team more established might say, "Okay, practice is over. I don't want to like just blow my shoulder out swinging for the next two hours." But uh, yeah, when you're younger, it's a good opportunity. Yeah. Being a practice player is a good good thing to do. Uh, sure. John, I'm curious, um, how do you feel like doing the podcast and coach your brains out affected you as a player? Um, I, I think, and kind of how Billy's talked about it, it's a it's a chance to like stuff like this just to reflect. You know, we we do episodes when it was just us, and you have to get clear on your on your thoughts and on your processes and to be able to talk it out and explain it. And you have to actually know and live what you're talking about. So it just kind of forces you to do that. Uh, I also think just having a chance to, to talk to all the amazing people. I mean, that's something we, I would have never had a chance to spend an hour with Courtney Thompson. And I mean, the amount of lessons to learn from someone like her, uh, from obviously Mike Dodd, Todd Rogers, uh, you know all these beach greats, and then you know all the great coaches uh, have have just all you know. I've learned so much from so many different people who I don't even you know. If I saw them maybe at a game, I wouldn't even like know them. <laughs> we wouldn't even, like they wouldn't even know who I was maybe. Uh, but I got a chance to ask them these you know questions that I really cared about. So like it's uh, yeah, it's been amazing to be able to do it. John, when you think Must about be Andrew's turn again, <laughs> <laughs> playing Angry Birds on his phone. Um, Andrew, listen when I'm talking. I, I come on. Well, I'm I'm just so taken aback yeah. by what you're yeah. saying that uh-huh. yeah, it kind of stuns me. Yeah. Um, thinking about everything that you've pulled in uh, from doing coach your brains out over the years and and your experiences as a coach and as a mentor to young players. Um. You know, not that you have any regrets, but do you have maybe like one do-over that you would want to want to have back in in your career? I'm sh- yeah, I'm sure I have a lot. I don't know if I have a specific example. Um, there's a lot of things I could have done <laughs> a lot better. I guess the biggest, and it's hard when you don't don't know what you don't know. Like I, <laughs> I didn't realize what I was doing. Uh, I, I think I wasn't. Uh, always the most open to to learning i think still i'm still pretty stubborn but i think there's even if if a coach was running a practice that i didn't maybe completely agree with back when i first started playing i would just like be angry and uh, try to figure out or try to show them why their drill was wrong or bad i wish i would have more just found ways to learn in those situations and not not obsess over why it was a silly drill or someone like Billy, I remember, I'm sure he can picture like what I'm talking about, I think a couple of times. At the pier. Yeah. <laughs> Where he, he's still just like, all right, I'll just figure out how I can get a little better, even though we're doing kind of a silly drill. Uh, where, yeah, I think I wanted to maybe prove a coach wrong. So, yeah, I think that's just kind of like a general theme probably for the first eight years of my playing uh, where I wasn't a very adept learner. But Tom Black had a huge influence on me, and he uh, introduced me to Carol Dweck's work, and just he modeled uh, modeled what 
you know learning looks like and and how you can learn at all costs and and that you know that was a game changer and I feel like that's when I started to become a better coach, a better player, a better podcast host and yeah, uh, I think a better friend too. Better friend to everyone but Andrew and <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the one, no, the one thing you have a fixed mindset about is <laughs> friendship with Andrew. Yeah, no, but yeah, I'd say that's the biggest thing. Yeah, John, cool. do you attribute like the whole idea of like the growth mindset with you doing podcasting? Because I, th- I would think that for both of us, being a broadcasters <laughs> isn't something we would have looked at as strength. I don't know. Do you think that was like that helped you kind of pursue that or want to do that, or were you think? Uh, you would just would have done it anyways, just expecting nobody to listen. <laughs> uh, I, I think it's a part of it. Yeah. Yeah. I think just, um, uh, realizing when you're trying to avoid things and, uh, I think for a long time, yeah, I wouldn't have noticed that that was, a because I had a fixed mindset about it. Uh, so it probably made me more, more aware of it. Um, I think it probably, yeah, wouldn't have lasted this long if, uh, if all of us wouldn't have been open to figuring out how we could get better at it. So yeah, I think it's affected all parts of my life, you know, mainly trying to be a better, uh, better dad, better coach and uh, yeah, better person. John Mayer is one of the most skilled players to have played beach volleyball. He's also one of the smartest who got the most of his smaller stature. He always made his partners better and was a tenacious competitor in 2006. Stein Metzger, Mike Lambert, and I were lucky to have had he and Brad as training partners who pushed us really hard and made us better all season. They almost took us out in the Hermosa semifinals in only their first season together. He will continue to make a significant impact on our game as an NCAA coach and now as a pro beach coach. Young players have a ton they can learn from him and how to be a great player, teammate, and professional athlete. Man, Jeff Alzina. I didn't know all this was coming. I think I'm getting a little emotional over here. Oh, it gets worse. Uh, <laughs> oh, jeez. Getting nervous. Uh, yeah, Z, what a guy. That was really nice of him to say. It was lucky. It's kind of full circle. He was one of the first coaches, beach coaches, I got to spend time around when I first came out to the beach, uh, being around Stein. <coughs> sorry. Being around Stein and, and Mike Lambert. And uh, definitely learned a lot from him, the, the way he trained them, the way he ran practice. And he actually he coached me quite a bit through those first couple of years. He was like for a long time, he's been one of the few and one of the best beach coaches in, in uh, the South Bay that so many players, so many professional players have trained with. And then this season again, I was back with him uh, playing with Trevor Crabb and got to learn from him again and, and spend time around him. It was nice of him to say that. Um, it sounds weird to talk about like legacy. Cause I don't know. It just seems like, Beach volleyball. It doesn't feel like we have the biggest footprint, but I guess what would you yeah. want um, players to be to say about you or think about you when they think of like John Mayer? Um, yeah, uh, yeah, it'd be great if people felt that I got the most out of what I had and that I um, was uh, respectful of the the people I played against, of the referees, of the. Um, yeah, just the pe- the people around uh, our tournaments, and, and hopefully that they felt like I built built teams and got the most out of my partners, and and maybe was able to create some some teams that were better than how good of a player I was, but because of um, yeah the the partnership we built and the team we built and this the the way we complemented each other, I was able to get maybe results higher than my skill level. I don't know if anyone actually thinks that, but it'd be nice. I think that's what they mean when they uh, consistently tell you that you played the game the right way. <laughs> that's a, a theme that keeps coming up in other other aspects. But, uh, John, I'm curious, what are some of the specific uh, characteristics you think of when you think of a great partner? Um, it's a, probably the most underrated skill. And... Um, and it, and it can vary depending on who you are. So I think a great partner is able to listen a lot and they're observing and they're trying to figure out what it means to be a great partner for that person. Because uh, each, yeah, each personality needs and wants something very different. 
so I guess that's the first thing is just to, to observe and learn and ask questions and, and ask, oh, when you're frustrated or maybe after a couple of hitting errors, what, what do you want to hear from me? What can I do to, to uh, help? Because I do, I do want to help. I want to figure out how I can be better for you. Uh, I think that's one big one. Um, I think there's something to, I don't think you have to have it, but having some sort of bond off the court so that you, having, I think when you have a little bit of a friendship or a, at least a mutual respect for each other, then you can be more direct in your feedback on if a set wasn't perfect. Um, I think it's hard to be like, maybe more direct and more productive with your feedback if that relationship isn't as strong. Um, so yeah, I guess there's a, there's a lot of pieces to it and, and there's a lot of variables uh, depending on who you are. But I'd love to hear what Billy thought. It's not about, no, I have no answers. It's all, it's all you, John. <laughs> no help here, buddy. Um, John, probably a lot of carryover into what you feel makes for a great coach, but anything that you want to expand upon there? Um, yeah, I mean, great coaches, again, I think they're, they're authentic. They are, you know, there's no, there's no blueprint. Uh, Joe Trinzi said something I thought was interesting. He, a lot of the best coaches he's been around were really competitive. And you can be competitive in a lot of different ways. You could be loud and boisterous, or you can be competitive quietly. Um, but I, I don't know. When I think about the great coaches that, that I've been around, I've observed. I think of Marv Dumphy. I think of Tom Black. Uh, I think of Ken Stanley, who I played for at Pierce. And all, and all of them... When I um, I got to see them in different points in their career, so I got to see them, you know, within like when I played for them, or I'd see them ten or fifteen years later. And what stood out to me was that they were successful when I played for them, and they won a lot. But when you came back to their gym or to their their beach, that they weren't doing the same drills. They they weren't um, giving feedback the exact same way. They they had adapted. They had evolved. They were maybe um, even uh, had different serving philosophies. They'd, they'd kind of changed and, and, been, and, and been leading the charge for where the sport was going. So, I mean, that, that just goes back to their cl- clearly uh, learners and they, they were always looking to improve. So I guess that would be the biggest thing. How about you, Andrew? What do you think, Andrew? Just here to learn, Johnny. John, quit trying to turn this around on us. This is about you. <laughs> This is your time to shine, baby. I'm genuinely curious. I I think all that stuff you said is awesome, and I'm I'm just I'm here to learn from you, buddy. <laughs> Fine. John is an awesome coach. I'm so grateful that I get to learn from him each and every day, and I'm grateful that he is going full time with coaching. He is great with the girls. He's really patient. He connects well with them, and they learn a ton from him. Um, I'm really grateful for you, John, and I'm excited for this new chapter in your life. Who's that? Betsy Flint. Uh, the uh, the model for the LMU player. <laughs> who <laughs> The girls watch more film of anyone than Betsy. Say, uh, this is how you should play. And she's a she actually makes me a better coach. She's my assistant coach at LMU. We we just did a camp actually, Andrew, Betsy, and I, and she is just relentless with trying to make people better. Like it was, I don't know, it was day two. I, was, I can't even feel it in my voice now. We just we were out there for a lot of hours the last two days, and um, on day two she's still with a kid who, you know, maybe will play volleyball for one more year in their life. She's still trying to give them feedback and make them better. I'm like man, all right, I can do that too. I can. <laughs> I can keep going even though I'm a little tired. Uh, and even if this kid doesn't really want to listen to me right now, I can I can find a way to help them get better. Uh, so she's a really good coach. And if you watch her play, I think she's someone when, you know, she'll play for another 20 years. But when she's done, I think you could say more so than you would with me, she's getting the most out of what she has. Uh, her Her ball control, her fundamentals are off the charts. And she's relentless in her work ethic. Um... Uh, if, I think if anyone wanted to to learn how to to go through a deliberate practice or go through a practice where you got the most quality reps out of it, where you're really mindful about each rep and really improving each rep, you'd go watch her and see her process because it's it's really incredible. So 
Um, glad I'll get to watch her play for a long time. Yeah, it must be nice to have her as a, a demo there in practice. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What, what is it? Nobody yeah, Just do that. Nobody's more stopped on defense than Betsy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah she, she's a statue. Where do you have the most learning to do as a coach? I think, uh, I mean, I have a lot. I think one thing with, with coaching, it goes back to, you, uh, there's a lot of things I'm doing wrong and I just don't know it. And I, it's easy to forget that. I think sometimes you get in that leadership role. You uh, you feel a little invincible and like, I, I'm going to tell everyone what to do and I know what's going on. And I've got all this good stuff that I want to share. And it's good to step back and go, well, some of the stuff I'm saying is, is probably wrong. and they, Or not not necessarily wrong, but there's probably a better way for me to do it or a more optimal way to do it. So I think uh, I have to remind myself to keep that mindset. Uh, I think the areas where I really need to improve are more outside of the court uh, probably recruiting I could be a lot better recruiter and that's that's uh, being better with um, relationships and communicating well with parents and stuff like that and I also think I could be a better um, kind of steward for our sport at LMU with our administration just kind of fighting for for uh, getting more support on that side uh, but yeah it's really hard to, I, I wish we could have coaches coach us like come out and when i ran a practice they could just give me feedback like um yeah why did you say that that way or right there you didn't give any feedback why not and it'd be cool to have uh, coach fuller come down and make me better yeah we'd probably progress faster for sure i remember um actually because we always put our film up on on v loop and and we uh you know have the girls watch it and send them notes and one time our film guy he he filmed our end of uh, practice recap and I started watching it. It was like, I couldn't watch it. It was like, gosh, I'm that boring. I'm that dry. <laughs> gosh, bring some energy. Yeah, should definitely film practices more and see, see where I can get better. Yeah. I was lucky enough to, speaking of this, uh, went to a uh, club where the director of the club ran coaching clinics for like coaching development clinics for the, yeah. for the coaches. And one of the things that was like the most intimidating thing I'd ever seen, but seemed awesome was they had uh, two teams scrimmaging and a coach coaching. And at some point they just throughout the natural course of the match, they could, one of the coaches would call timeout and all the coaches would go over there and listen to what the coach said during the timeout. Then they would go over and kind of debrief. What did the coach say? How do you think the players interpreted it? And then another coach would actually pull the players and ask them, okay, what did you hear? What are you going to take out of that timeout? And then he would report back to to the group what the players were actually said that they heard. And it was one of those things where I'd, I'd never done that before or ever been a part of that before, but it was incredible to to just get that much feedback and be in a situation that was that intense on everybody observing and giving feedback on what you said. Um, yeah. It's awesome for coaches to go through that. We should do Sean that. We should uh, go observe each other. I think this is your opportunity to, to make a, a, a plea to maybe your coaching crush out there to come and observe. Anyone you want to <laughs> shout out to? Yeah, I'd love to have Andrew Fuller come oh and gosh. observe me. Come on, man. If he's not available, no, yeah, I mean, Marv Dumpy wants to come by. You can't say Marv, you can't say Tom, you can't say Big Daddy. (laughs) And they're all three gone. I mean, there's no one else. There's no other coaches. Uh, I mean, when I think of our podcast, uh, you know, just hearing like Brent Crouch, I'd love to have him teach me what to do. John Spra obviously was pretty amazing. Um, Gosh, there's a lot more that I'm blanking on. Uh, Rob Browning would be a great person to learn from i mean there's so many so john the next question you you've been doing professional volleyball coaching lmu you have a very successful podcast oh yeah um you're a father your husband you've had a lot on your plate now without the professional playing what's next what are you going to fill your plate with well it's it's pretty consumed now because i'm taking on the biggest challenge of my career and it's yeah it's consuming my thoughts and every uh, every moment so 
So I got to coach Billy Allen tomorrow at 9 a.m. And it's rough. No, yeah, so I'm going to coach Billy and Stafford, and I'm, I'm excited about it and hoping I can make a small impact. And, I mean, it's more just kind of stay out of the way and let them let them do what they do because they're both uh, hard workers and eager learners and uh, just a really good team. So I'm excited to still be around. I want to go to as many events as I can be at. Um, I think I'll be able to help out a little bit with Emily Day and Betsy Flint. So I'd love to be involved with both those teams and just w- want to spend time around people I care about and uh, people that are committed to being excellent. Um, and then after that, we're, we're starting Gold Medal Squared Beach, which Andrew was just a part of with us. Uh, we ran our first clinic. And uh, I want to really get that going. I'd love to make an impact on the, the coaching on the beach level for the juniors and college and professional. And uh, I've got a lot to learn, but I'd love to to teach people what I've learned from uh, the great mentors I've had. And, and we're going to run coaching clinics and we're going to have clinics for juniors all, all summer. And um, so, yeah, I'm looking to, to uh, yeah, just, I guess, grow the, improve and grow the level of, of coaching and, and uh, training in our, our country. And uh, we're really excited to have John as a coach. It's funny as I do those, Volleyball vacations, the Tom Davenport things in Mexico, and everybody was really excited when they heard, like, oh, yeah, you're playing with Stafford again? That's awesome. Oh. And, and I was, like, way more excited to say that uh, John was coaching us than even that I was playing with Stafford again. <laughs> and <laughs> No one was excited about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no, they were for sure. They were just bummed you were, you were done playing. Um, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, I've had, like, maybe – four or five practices with John so far and most half of them were just John and I out there by ourselves. Um, yeah. And I've already learned a ton and I'm really excited about, uh, as long as we can keep dragging you out there and convincing you to work with us, I think, uh, we'll be getting better. So I think I'm, uh, am I Apollo Creed and you're, Oh, you're Rocky or how's that work? Yeah, that's that's exactly right. We're doing sprints on the beach tomorrow. Instead of wearing uh, your old board shorts, like uh, American flag, I'll be, yeah, old tank tops and perfect. <laughs> Just grease, greased up on our biceps. Yeah. All right. Um, I'm, I'm calling it. We have right. officially jumped at the shark. We hit a low point. Uh, let's take a break from John. Nils and Andrew, you guys both um, competed and retired at some point. To f- <laughs> to pursue coaching full-time um i didn't want to make that sound unimportant um you guys both played avps and nils played overseas for a few years and on the national team um i guess when did you guys know it was time was it the right time did you guys looking back do you think you left too early or stayed too late any reflections go ahead nils uh, I'm going to say for me, it, it came at the right time. Uh, my hand was a little bit forced, uh, in the, in the indoor game, my hand was forced. And then on the, the, which ended up being the correct decision. Uh, so it was almost nice that I didn't have to really sit down and, and, and make that decision. It was kind of put on me, which ended up being good. And then on the beach game, you know, it, it, I started doing it when, beach was at an like a low point and there were very little tours i knew i had been traveling for so much time uh that i didn't want to participate or even try to do any of the international things and so it it became a pretty easy decision for me that it, it just wasn't worth the the time for me to put in so you know and and obviously the any any amount of success was not guaranteed so it, it became pretty easy and that happened at right right around the time i, I got into coaching and i kind of ended up backing into coaching uh it wasn't something that i stepped away from the sport to pursue it was something that kind of filled the void of competition and i grew into really enjoying it and and you know at first it was just I, I was i felt like i was a decent player so i'm gonna be a good coach i'll just tell the kids you know what I what I did, and that's going to work. And then as you got, start getting down the rabbit hole, it, it, it got harder, uh, more challenging, and even more fun in a lot of ways than than playing. So yeah, I mean, do I miss it? Yeah, 
sometimes my body feels better now than it ever did. And I think I want to play again. And I go and do that for about an hour. And I realize that I made the right decision. I can't, I can't continue at that level. So I think it, it all came out the right time for me. You lost your tan too. Oh my goodness. <laughs> you don't want to see me without a shirt on anymore. Nils has still got it. He can come out and smash some balls. Yeah, one one or two, and then uh, no, everything you, gets you real it. tight real quick. <laughs> I think we undersell Nils' career. He's a really, really good college player, a really, really professional good. player, and came out to the beach and was pretty successful in a short period of time. So people don't know it. Nils is a baller. And a great six-man player for kind of good. So good. One of the better six-man players to ever play still waiting for the the this podcast to take off you know this is you guys promised me a lot and nothing nothing's come of it (laughs) andrew what about you uh did you go straight to usc after playing well i mean speaking of which i I always had dreams of being a part of a very lucrative podcast so um congrats yeah thanks yeah we all did it together um no i mean it was a combination of um very fortuitous timing and also um kind of diverging passions and um you know right as the professional beach uh, sphere was not at its best some really good coaching opportunities came about at, at long beach state initially um and then at usc um and and it was also kind of at a time where um i was getting really fired up on coaching and and saw some some great opportunities for um, for Lauren and me as a family and um, yeah just kind of kind of jumped at, at those chances and um, really fortunate. Well, I think you made the right choice. It seems, seems like you're exactly where you want to be now. And if you had maybe gotten into coaching beach at the time, it might not have been there. Yeah, you're saying yeah, you, you don't believe in his playing career. I saw him scoop Brady's cut shot and deliver in That's a video true. the other day. So, as Derek Olson said, maybe the, somebody caught your one dig on, on film. It honestly probably is. <laughs> All right, uh, one more. Uh, let's do one more audio clip, and then we'll do a rapid fire round. John Mayer, can't say I'm excited about this, but I am really grateful uh, for the many, many, many years we've been able to spend together for me to watch you grow for me to watch your career grow and uh, I've grown along with you there's so many memories that stand out I mean of course it all starts with me pretty much having to manipulate you into giving up basketball and focusing on volleyball and then just watching how your career has taken off from there it's just been incredible Uh, from state player of the year at Pierce College to national champion at Pepperdine to pro beach stud uh, for a long 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 period of time and to be able to to be able to have a part of that journey with you in, in most of those stops, it's it's just meant everything to me. Um, you've taught me so much just by how you've gone about your business. Uh, some of the biggest things that stand out. I mean, I, I've been around you a long time from your teenage years till now, and you you've grown a lot and you've matured a lot. Uh, but your motivation has always been to play a game that you love and to do it as well as possible for the people around you. And that's what has inspired me the most. And that has not changed one bit since from 16 year old, little Johnny Mayer to the stud husband, coach, player, father that you are now. And, uh, I'm, I'm just beyond grateful. Uh, I'm beyond grateful for all of it. There's so many matches indoors and outdoors. I can think of us being there together and, uh, I'm, I'm privileged to have been a part of it to watch you crush it, to watch you be so successful uh, you're one of the, obviously one of the best players I've ever coached, but you're absolutely one of the best humans I've ever known on or off the court. And uh, what these girls at LMU are going to get from you as a coach, what they've already been getting is can't put a price tag on it. But congratulations for everything you've done. And just for me personally, I, I can't thank you enough for letting me be a part of the journey. Uh, I'm your biggest fan, even though it might not seem like it sometimes. And congratulations on an incredible career. You're the best, John. Man. Wipe the tears, Johnny. Too good. Too good. That was that's, that's, who? That's pretty special. Yeah, I'll have to capture that one. Um, yeah, obviously that was Tom Black. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I don't know where to start, but he... Um, I, I don't know how many 
people, you know, play high school volleyball and <laughs> their coach ends up being someone who coaches uh, in the Olympics and uh, is the head coach at, at Georgia and could probably be, you know, argued to be the best coach in the country. Was there a, you know, high school coach? <laughs> so, um, yeah, he's the one who told me there was a thing such as college volleyball and my plan was to go try to be Rudy and go uh, go to junior college and get into Notre Dame and uh, th- think uh, thankfully he talked me out of that <laughs> and told me to go to Pierce College and um, and then he ended up going there and coaching me there and he was my biggest um, probably the biggest person in my corner to push uh, to talk Marvin to let me go to Pepperdine and um, yeah it just keeps going from there <laughs> and then he coached me on the beach and uh yeah i don't know if i mean maybe other than my parents i don't know if there's anybody i owe owe more to um for being who i am so yeah i think i might cry (laughs) (laughs) let's go into rapid fire round um full you want to start us you know it favorite win john favorite win Favorite win? Well, there's a lot of losses. Uh, just say it, man. <laughs> uh, it's hard to say one. Um, I mean, qualifying for the first time, anybody who's qualified for a main draw event, that's something special. I did it with Yareev Lerner, and um, we jumped in the ocean after. And I remember just seeing the biggest smile I've ever seen, just seeing like his joy. And yeah, just... <laughs> I think it, it's a moment that we'll both always remember. Uh, I think another one, I mean, winning winning my first tournament was pretty special. It just, I think that was just more like shock. Jeff Nygaard and I beat Phil and Todd. I think I remember beating them just uh, just feeling like, wow, okay, I'm, this is for real. <laughs> I thought I was just kind of uh, playing make-believe here for a while, but I yeah, just beat Phil and Todd. Uh, I don't know, there's a bunch of them. I remember uh, Brad Keenan and I, who had played back in 2006, and then we played um, a bunch of uh, bunch of tournaments, and he ended up playing with different partners, and 10 years later, we're playing again together, and he had been to like 10 finals and never won, had gotten nothing but second places, and we ended up beating uh, Phil and Rosie in the semis, and Jake and Casey in the finals, and just seeing how, how happy he was, and... Um, so that was pretty special too. Oh, there's a lot of them. I probably keep going. So, yeah, that's great, Billy. What's next? That wasn't, what, that wasn't rapid fire. What, yeah. What player or team had your number? The one I would, I think I have the worst record against. I mean, it's probably like a little over 500. And I would have liked to think I should have had a better one. Is Ratledge Mariano, and pretty much just Ratledge in general. So he had the lefty hex on me. They cancel each other out. <laughs> yeah we uh we probably played each other 50 times and i don't know we're probably close to 500 so i had a tough time against him uh f- yeah, obviously phil um, no one's blocked me more i, I wonder if he- i'm the player he's blocked the most in his career i'm probably got to be up there uh yeah those two stand out all right uh most memorable travel experience or moment I think it was because we just talked about this. Oh, no. John, you know what it is. What is it? Shad. Oh, Fuller crashing his van with the, the Raji. <laughs> well, <laughs> that's the thing. Like, they, So many could just pop up, like, and none of them are volleyball related. You know, you th- so many of them. What were you thinking, John? Well, well, the first thing I thought of was, uh, was Billy and Janelle's blooming uh, relationship. <laughs> going bowling and kind of forcing Billy to try to hold Janelle's hand. <laughs> and then uh, we were in Florida, I think. And then um, a bullfrog got run over by like an 18-wheeler like right in front of us. <laughs> I think, again, we tried to, you know, Janelle was scared. We tried to force Billy to go get closer to her. Um, I think most of our relationship has been you forcing me into doing things. <laughs> yeah, that, that definitely played a role. I did, yeah, talk, uh, you ended up playing with Brady too. Um yeah, I mean, any time we was in Stad, that was pretty special. Riding a bike in the Swiss Alps, and me and Andrew having a nice meal, and seeing all the, I don't know, Alison and 
Bruno and all these amazing players walk by while we're just having a nice meal at, on a cobblestone street in the middle of Stad. But there's a lot of, I mean, watching matches with Mike Dodd, we'd, you know, be in Norway and we'd watch high level players and just picking his brain. Uh, I don't know. There's a ton. Awesome. All right. What's the most important skill in volleyball? Well, statistically, it's serving. Serving's okay. the most important. Okay. But I'd say being a good teammate. Oh, my gosh. John, favorite right. drill? Pass that hit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, John, favorite Coach Your Brains Out episode? This one, for sure. <laughs> Al Black, one. Sean Rooney, Betsy Flint. Jeff a little Alzina, confidence. Like yeah. God, come on. Uh, favorite? Gosh, there's so many good ones. Um, you know the the Andrea Becker one is one that's. I feel like people have brought that one up to me. It's like, yeah, that one is really good. Um, actually, the one, the most recent one that's made a huge impact is uh, Doctor Wolf, Gabriel Wolf, and uh, Doctor Luthwaite. Getting to talk to them. I feel like when uh, we got James Kerr. That that felt legit. Like that was the first kind of guest we got that wasn't someone we knew, and it was just like a cold e- cold email. And then he comes on and talks to us for an hour, and his like really cool accent about you know this amazing rugby team it was like wow we we did it. Yeah, from across the world. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. So there's been a lot. I mean, talking to Paul Rodriguez, like guy who's won X Games. Uh, right. I can't just pick one. Yeah, well, you love all your children. Um, favorite Fugazi song? Impossible question. You have to pick uh, one. Sorry, John. Come on. If you had to Impossible. play, if you had to play one for the podcast listeners right now, what would you play? Well, it's funny you say that because at our wedding, when we we left the uh, when the wedding the ceremony was over, it was arpeggiator. Which my, is... my be- one of my best friends, Mike Smith, and they learned how to play it. And then it's also our intro to Coach Your Brains Out. There you go. We'll take arpeggiator. Yeah, it's an instrumental. That's off my favorite Fugazi album, which is End Hits. But I think, I don't know, Caustic Acrostic is a good one. Uh, there's there's too many. And uh, is it true or false that you write, listen to Fugazi on the volleyballs that you throw out on stadium court? <laughs> that is true. <laughs> and I, I've had people come up and bring it to me. Some Some eight-year-old girl just gets scared on Spotify at home later. Yeah, I, I didn't tell them what the acronym stood for. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, best advice a coach ever gave you? That's a, <laughs> that's a really big question. Um, hmm. um, or one one piece that stands out. Does that be hmm. the be- best if that's too much pressure? Yeah, I'm thinking back to, uh, <laughs> I mean, the best was Tom Tom telling me to keep playing. Um, that's actually been a couple times where I, yeah, I thought I was done with volleyball. Probably after high school, I thought I, I didn't think I'd play again. And uh, Tom pushed me to keep playing. Um, I remember when the AVP went bankrupt in 2008, nine. Um, I went up and met with Marv Dumphy. And spent like an hour with him, and he uh, he just told me there was more meat on the bone that I could just keep playing. People, so um, I don't know if those are great advice, but those two jumped out at me. Um, I remember when Tom Black told me to to read uh, growth mindset or read mindset. That was good advice. Cool. Well, let's end with the uh, final clip. John Mayer. What can I say about John? So many things. Uh, First of all, he's an amazing volleyball player, and he's earned every bit of his success. He'll tell you himself that he was never the best player on any of his teams, yet he became an incredibly accomplished college indoor and beach professional player. And beyond the results, I think the thing I'm always most proud of is how much everyone around him respects him, Um, his fellow competitors, his coaches, fans, even his family and his friends. um, Everyone admires him. And 
since John announced his retirement, I've just been blown away by how many people um, have you know, expressed their gratitude for all that John did and all that he represented when he was playing. And I really thought I was going to be sad or disappointed when John finally decided to end his playing career because it's it's been really fun to watch him play all these years and travel to tournaments and just kind of be in the thick of competition. But the cool thing is that I'm, I'm actually really excited to see um, him coach and, and kind of pursue this new part of his career. I can see he loves it. Uh, I see him every day reading and working hard to learn more. And he's already an amazing coach, and he's just going to get better and better. And, you know, besides all of those things, um, John's most important to me because he's my best friend, and he's an amazing dad. And uh, just like he did with all of his partners, he always worked to make them better and got, get the most out of them. And I'm so lucky he does the same thing to me. And I'm a better person because of John. Gosh, Billy, what are you doing to me? Sorry, man. Who, so who's that? <laughs> that, that? That was our most frequent caller. Paula my, R. Yeah, Dr. Rod. That's, that's my best partner. That's my uh, life partner. My wife. Um, gosh, why is... Yeah, that was... Um, that's cool. I mean, these aren't things that people talk to you about, you know, normal kind of going around life. So it's just really cool that people are taking the time to say nice things. And um, she's off, obviously been uh, the the biggest part of of uh, my my life, and been we were at Pepperdine together, and um, she's always been someone I could lean on and ask questions about and I always wanted to know first what she thought of the match and what I could have done better and she's someone I really respected what she saw and if she wasn't so smart she would have been able to play and coach a lot at a higher level than I would have but um yeah she was smart and went to med school and did other stuff she would have been Uh, a good coach huh oh yeah she would have been a really good coach but now we coach our, our daughter's 6U soccer team, so we're back. <laughs> who's, uh, who's head coach? Who's assistant? Uh, we're always assistant, Billy. Okay. Me, me and you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. She was the head. I was the assistant. What's funny is, uh, so listeners, we had an AVP banquet, and Mark, or Paula, I guess, had told Mark Sherman, the AVP uh, announcer guy, that... Uh, John was retiring, and Mark calls John up to the stage <laughs> at the end Gosh, of the at the end of the banquet. It's my worst nightmare. <laughs> John's like dragging his feet, like, "Yeah, I guess I'm retiring. I didn't know how to say anything." Uh, but anyways, he gave like a, you know gave a good speech and stuff. <clears throat> and um, I'm looking over. I'm sitting with uh, like Janelle and I are sitting with John and Paula, and I'm look. We look over, and Janelle, my wife, is just bawling. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I and, forgot that. And John gets back to his seat. It's just like what? It just yeah. It just. <laughs> I don't know, it's just funny that you didn't, like, it doesn't seem like a big deal to you. You just, you know, you've you've been coaching before, you're just going to stop playing. But, uh, yeah, I think, like you said, you've had an impact on a lot of people. And it's, I don't know, we, I don't think many of us have relationships where we're just going to come out and say it to your face. Um, but so it's cool, something like that. Like, maybe you can hear something that Paula would say um, on the podcast that maybe she wouldn't just tell you when you haven't done the dishes yet or whatever. Yeah, I usually hear a lot of other stuff. Yeah, thanks, thanks, Billy, for putting this together. This is really cool. It's, I don't know if uh, anybody made it this far in the podcast, but uh, I'm glad I got to hear it. Cool, man. Well, I look forward to working with you and uh, watching how LMU does. Uh, the only reason I'm a, a fan of the Lions is because uh, you're over there. <laughs> well, good. Well, it's going to be all about Alan Slick this year. Yeah. Congratulations on a great career, Johnny. Thanks, guys. Thanks for doing this. So do you think uh, the whole no money, no mayor doesn't like playing in little fun events because he's too competitive and he just wants to win? Do you think you'll start playing more KOBs and fours tournaments? now that you're I don't know. I actually just signed up for a adult league basketball team with my dad, my uncle, my brother. 
and uh, Jackson and another friend. I see myself trying to do that more. I don't know how much volleyball I'll play. Maybe, maybe I'll get the itch. I don't know. Cool. I, I feel like it's hard to, like, when you've played at a high level to then, like, go back and be, like, really mediocre. Like, it's it not, took me so so much work to be decent. Yeah, it's, it's not that fun, John. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it sucks. <laughs> You're like, yeah, I'm terrible now. It's, it's yeah. just not that cool. We're, like, basketball or, like, tennis. Like, yeah, I haven't played it forever, so I'm... Yeah, just be fun because I'm like not going to be critical or have some memory of me being good at it. So I could see once we all have our strand houses, uh, maybe we, then we get out and play fours as six, 60, 70 year olds. Uh, that I, I'm in for for sure. <laughs> <laughs>